Hi, everybody. Welcome to Vox Tablet, the weekly podcast of Tablet Magazine. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Today, Israel's refugee problem. Over the past few years, Israel has become increasingly alarmed about a growing population of migrants from Eritrea, Sudan, and other African countries. And in the past few weeks, the government began deporting hundreds of migrants from South Sudan, a country that Israel deems to be safe and stable. And just a few days ago, the government announced it will also start sending back migrants from the Ivory Coast. Israeli officials argue that deportations are necessary because the African migrants are a burden and they're a threat to the country's Jewish character. Critics say the policy violates human rights, not to mention Jewish values. Well, today we're speaking with someone who's worked directly with African migrants in Israel, but who also sees the problem from a wider perspective. Itamar Mann is a lawyer and a doctoral student at Yale University studying the history of refugee policies in Europe, the United States, and elsewhere. He's also helped start an organization called We Are Refugees that gives pro bono legal aid to asylum seekers in Israel. Today, we're speaking with Itamar to try to get a handle on the underlying causes and possible solutions to what Israel sees as an immigrant crisis. Itamar Mann, welcome to Vox Tablet. Hello. It's uh, great speaking with you. Itamar, there's been a lot of press covering the recent deportations of African migrants, but it's not always clear who exactly they are, how they ended up in Israel in the first place, how long they've been there, and so forth. I'm wondering if you can give us a little context. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. So um, there is a global context and there is a kind of local context. And let me start by saying that this problem that we see now developing in Israel is by no means an Israeli problem. It's a problem that um, appears across the world particularly um, in the fault lines between Africa and uh, the developed world or Europe, uh, there is a huge flow of uh, migrants and refugees um, and populations that are really uh, trying to escape a lot of very difficult uh, plights in Africa. So since 2005, more or less, we have seen um, a growing number of refugees and migrants uh, crossing illegally into Israel after having made very, very difficult journeys through the desert. And um, initially, it was just small numbers. But as the numbers grow bigger, this is becoming a real policy problem in Israel and one of the top issues on the national agenda right now. 80% of these people, more or less, are coming from Sudan and Eritrea, two countries that have very um, problematic, to say the least, regimes. And people from these countries um, in other countries in the world uh, have been um, getting a refugee status and asylum in in very high percentages. So it's about 84% of Eritreans, I think, uh, across the world, according to UNHCR numbers, um, that are um, entitled to asylum. In Israel, uh, the, the most part of these people are Eritreans, especially in the last few years. Yeah, that's the general context. Um, well, I wonder um, why did it even start? In you know, in the last few years, what spurred this movement of migrants and refugees into Israel, in particular, when there hadn't been that flow, uh, say, ten years ago? Right. Well, um, when I started personally to be interested in this uh, situation, I started to be interested in Israel. I was. Uh, uh, back then, a law student in Tel Aviv University, 
And then I started to, to become interested in this also theoretically and, and historically. And I saw that Israel is really just a, a little, little part of a whole nexus across the Mediterranean. One central route was from Libya to Italy. Um, and another central route was uh, on, on the western coast of Africa from cu- countries like Mauritania and uh, Senegal, uh, especially, crossing into the Canaries and Spain. So one thing that is very, very interesting is to see the kind of mutual relationships between these uh, routes. Uh, Europe, the EU, has been very successful in uh, preventing uh, people from crossing into uh, EU territories and into EU territorial waters. The main technique, um, uh, which um, an agency called Frontex is uh, in charge of, is simply um, outsourcing enforcement capabilities to countries in Africa uh, so that people don't leave and to stop them before they even um, embark. That uh, has stopped that route. And uh, these things have this interesting tendency. When one route is stopped, another is opened. So in some ways, the exposure of Israel in 2005 falls directly um, in the period when Berlusconi has this very fruitful and successful cooperation with Gaddafi. It's very interesting to see in that kind of comparative perspective. You say 80% come from Eritrea and Sudan, but what does that mean in terms of numbers? How many people actually are we talking about? According to current numbers, people are talking about 60,000 unauthorized migrants in Israel from Africa. And how do they fare once they get to Israel? What happens to them? Well, um, it it changes. Most of them get a visa um, that is uh, basically just uh, just allows them to stay in Israel. This is a type of visa that doesn't entail any uh, work permit, and uh, therefore they kind of flow and center uh, in uh, the poorest neighbors of neighborhoods of Tel Aviv, where they hope to get a kind of you know day job or something that they can live um, just from hand to mouth on. And uh, this this is the result really of not having a policy. So this is something I think that we should also talk about and kind of see what would be other possibilities. But right now, uh, in terms of refugee law, there's two things that a country can do. A country can Um, put someone through refugee status determination procedures and find out if indeed they face death or egregious human rights violations if they return. Or a country can do, and many countries have been doing this, um, what's called, and decide to have what's called collective protection or complementary protection, uh, which is a kind of blanket protection for many people it uh, doesn't entail the administrative uh, costs of having to speak with each and every one of these people. And it's based on the idea that the, that particular countries have crises that uh, make all the people that live there kind of um, in danger, in, 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 you know, just um, as, a, as a kind of general matter. Uh, in Sudan and in Eritrea, uh, this has been the case for the last few years in Ivory Coast as well, particular parts of Ivory Coast. And the idea is that once that once the danger or the crisis is over, these people can be deported en masse. Mm-hmm. I think one of our important critiques against this idea is that even if a general crisis is over, there still can be people that are personally and individually persecuted and exposed to that kind of 
uh, future that the, if if they return. So since the collective protection for for South Sudanese has ended, um, people have already been returned and did not have any access to individual procedures. I I, I personally do you know do not dispute the right of Israel to remove people if they're not refugees. I think that's totally uh, within the scope of any sovereign country. It's obvious, but. There's no time to decide, even if some of these people do, do expect this, this kind of uh, future, there's no time to decide um, or, or even to listen to their stories if just a few d- days after the collective protection is over, they're removed. Now, you yourself have actually met many of these refugees, right? This isn't just a kind of policy, ideological thing to you. Oh, absolutely not. I don't want to say it's uh, ideological. That's not not something I would say. I, w- I want to say I am deeply interested in policy issues in this area, um, in Israel and also abroad. And I and I do have quite uh, considerable, I think, uh, experience meeting and talking with these people. Uh, also, I have to say that you know, from 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 my experience with, with these people, some of them. I personally, after I spoke to them many times, I, I didn't. I was not convinced that they're refugees, and mm-hmm. some of them I do think uh, are here illegally and uh, can be deported. And some of them also, it's true also that some of them sometimes lie and and and, and do not say the truth. And this is something that you can uh, understand from from a person if you really listen to them. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a much better idea for Israel to have a real refugee status determination procedure in which it takes responsibility. It listens to someone. It, uh, you know, from the beginning to the end, the whole story. And if there's contradictions or if there's other uh, indications of, of lying and other indications of this person not being a refugee according to the convention, to remove them. That would be some, that's something that's comparable and done in other countries as well. It just didn't, here it's kind of turning a blind eye. It's kind of, we, we don't want to do anything about this. We simply uh, want to defer and defer and defer any kind of policy and just uh, let this problem develop. And that's how we, we got to this situation we're in right now. Very, very difficult situation uh, for Israel, for some Israeli citizens as well. People that feel that their homes are, you know, um, kind of exposed to um, people that are that have no opportunities in life and might be pushed even to crime. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's true that there's a, there's a huge amount of crime within these populations, but it's totally reasonable to think that if someone doesn't have a job and someone has nothing to you know to feed his children with, some of these people might be pushed to crime. And I I don't think it's it's necessarily racism to think that. Um, you know the fact that the, all of these people are, people are centered in poor neighborhoods is wrong. I I do think it's this you know this total inaction on the part of the government is is unfair towards uh, some particular groups within Israel. Itamar, how does the fact that Israel is a Jewish state complicate this whole issue? It complicates it uh, very much, especially in the last few years. We've been hearing from from the government, from Benjamin Netanyahu and from other members of the government, such as uh, Miri Regev, for example, that uh, these people are um, a danger to the Jewish nature of the state. There's what what people call here the demographic threat. So the idea is that if many people that are not Jewish come into our population, we will become a minority. And this uh, comes into play, obviously, very often, in the context of Palestinians and Palestinian refugees. Uh, so people are, the government is reiterating uh, this demographic threat 
we have to preserve our nature as a Jewish state. And um, I think that so far the numbers of people that Israel sh- could have protected are nowhere near um, you know, any kind of real threat to that. I, I think it's much more a rhetorical position. And also I think uh, a lot of people say, and I feel that way as well, that part of um, being a Jewish state is also protecting refugees. And this is uh, something that might sound to some listeners as a kind of uh, very, I don't know, abstract idea. But in in my family in particular, like in many other families, I grew up with two grandparents that are refugees that told me stories about how they fled and how they entered um, in ways that were not always legal. And we have to remember that. And I don't think this is, you know, just uh, uh, something that we can say and, and, and not act upon. We really, uh, there, there is this um, ongoing obligation. And Israel was one of the first signatories on the 1951 Refugee Convention. So basically, my position is that this, this uh, Jewish nature of the state can go in both ways. Well, what is the general Israeli reaction? I mean, do people uh, agree with with the policymakers and politicians who say there should be a mass deportation? Or do they feel, uh, as you're pointing out, that there is a Jewish obligation, and not just a Jewish obligation, but an obligation, a humane and human obligation to protect people who are refugees, who are uh, yeah. fleeing persecution? Yeah, that's really interesting, because I think that in general, what we see in the newspapers and in blogs, a lot of the time is that people agree with the government and, and feel that you know everyone should be deported and that we have no obligation towards these people. But that's really that really doesn't go that far. I think that from my experience, when when we when we talk in more detail with someone about particular people and explain what happens happened to them, uh, I think many Israelis understand that. Uh, that they don't want these people to be deported, that they do feel that they have to have some form of protection, at least temporarily. And and so what, what really is the general impression, at least my impression, is that uh, once they start to think of this in more detail, they, they do agree with our, with our positions. And I don't think our positions and my positions on this particular issue are, you know, radical in any way. So you're probably aware that in this country, in the States, there's also a very divisive debate going on right now about uh, immigrants, about illegal immigrants. Are there any similarities that you see between the case in Israel and the case and the case here? Yes, I do. I do see similarities. And uh, I think uh, the main similarity has to do with the question of who deserves rights and the, the issue of discrimination. But there's also important differences in the United States, there's a wide kind of cross-the-board immigration policy. People that want to come to work in the United States can get visas sometimes. Of course, there's a huge number of unauthorized migrants that work illegally, but it's not the case, like in Israel, that there's no other avenue uh, to have um, a visa, to, to move in, to immigrate. All these things in Israel do not exist. We only have this uh, law of return. And we don't have a broader immigration policy. And I think that's really a central key issue to understand if one tries to pinpoint the differences between the two countries. Mm -hmm. By the way, what we're hearing in the background is uh, Muazin. And we're right next to the mosque here, uh, located in Yafo. It adds color. We like it. (laughs) Great. 
Itamar, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thanks for this opportunity. Itamar Mann is a lawyer and a co-founder of the legal aid organization We Are Refugees. He spoke to us from Tel Aviv, but usually he can be found in New Haven, where he's getting a doctorate of law from Yale. This topic is a heated one, and we would love to know what you think about it. So join the conversation, post a comment on our segment, just go to tabletmag.com and click on Vox Tablet, which appears in the menu bar at the very top of the homepage. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. Thanks also this week to Daniel Estrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. To my fellow Americans, we want to wish you a happy 4th of July. To the rest of you, carry on as you were. And to all of you, we sure hope you'll join us again next week. 